Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is NBA draft expert Corey Tulliba from the Draft Dak NBA Draft Podcast with Albert Gim. Great to have you with us, Corey. And I know you're doing more than just the podcast, right? Yeah, it's a crazy time. Uh, this has been a really cool year. Um, yeah, I've been covering the draft for a few years now, but at the beginning of this draft cycle, uh, I teamed up with a number of draft analysts to start the No Ceilings NBA team. Uh, so we come together, we, we put out a, a daily newsletter where uh, at noceilingsnba.com, where if you subscribe, it's free. It gets delivered directly to your inbox Monday through Friday. Uh, sometimes we post multiple times a day. We're really active now. We have a, a, a YouTube channel, No Ceilings TV. Um, we also have uh, the No Ceilings podcast. So we're really just trying to honestly take over the entire draft space and cover it in a really unique way that we feel like has never been done before. So it's an exciting time. We just released our official 2022 NBA draft guide, which is our top 58 prospects with in-depth player breakdowns, statistics, player chemistry, which is like our kind of fun way of doing player comps. So um, real exciting time. And, and we're, we've just been hammering the draft world hard. That sounds great. And the Rockets fans will appreciate that because I, I feel like it's, it's just about a more time, that we've spent on the draft in the last couple of years than the previous, I don't know, 15 or 20 years of the, of the last yeah. bit of Rockets history. And we'll get to the Rockets pick at the three spot to start off with. And it feels like they're destined for Paolo, Corey. And I give it about, it feels like to me, an 80% chance Paolo is the one of the big three between Jabari, Chet, and Paolo that's left on the board. Do you agree that Paolo is the odds-on favorite at this point? Yeah, if I was a betting man, I would I would say that Paolo is is the guy. Um, but as you said, I think 80% that you said is probably a pretty good number because there is certainly an outside chance that, you know, it could be a wild card going with Jaden Ivy. You know, I've had, um, you know, a front office executive tell me like, there's a chance that he thinks that if somebody slides, it could be Paulo. Uh, and, and that's like to that fourth spot, maybe even out of the top four. So, uh, but I would say that Paulo is, is probably the favorite because I think Chet and Jabari are going to go one and two. For a lot of Rockets fans, frankly, there's a general lack of enthusiasm for, for Paulo for a couple of reasons. The Rockets front court, badly deficient in three areas, I would say. Long distance shooting, defense, and rebounding. Most feel he's mediocre to below average in all three areas, shooting and defense especially. It's not to say he can't make up for uh, these things with some major strides, potentially become above average in all those areas down the road. But I'll speak for myself when I say, you hate that you can't make that major jump this coming season without a major defensive and shooting influx, you know, especially in the front court where you need it. It means another ugly year of losing basketball. How do you feel about Paulo? Where are you on the, on the spectrum and you know how, how he fits in with the Rockets as well? Uh, he's my number two prospect um, on my board, but I've definitely had a weird relationship with that ranking throughout the season. Uh, I, I've saw, I saw him live twice this year at the beginning of the season at the champions classic where they played Kentucky. And then I saw him again towards the end of the season in the ACC tournament when they played Miami. And um, I think that he is by all accounts, like he should be the number one prospect. Cause when you look at him, 6'10, 250, can handle the ball like a guard 
can make plays for his teammates and he can really score at all three levels. And then defensively, uh, when he's locked in, he's as good as anybody because he's just, he swallows smaller guys up because he can stay with them laterally. And then he's big enough to come over and help uh, and swat shots from the weak side and whatnot. But uh, there is this, this weird thing with him where, you know, you wonder if there's like a little Ben Simmons in him where it's like, is his number one priority becoming the best basketball player that he could possibly be. Um, with that said, he's just like undeniably talented. I think the the shot is is fine. Like I, I don't think it's a, a weakness of his necessarily. I think that his shot is respectable enough that you have to play out. Uh, if you go under, he will punish you. Uh, he's good in the pick and pop. And I, I think one of the things for me is that I, you know I look at him more as like a jumbo wing than. Uh, like a big man necessarily. So I think he fits where the modern NBA is, is currently, but is also really headed where you have all of these guys who are multi-tooled can switch up and down a lineup and can do a whole bunch of things with the ball in their hands. And he could do all of that. So to me, like even if he's available and that's the pick, I think it's a major win. Now it's not the cleanest fit in the front court. I don't think him and, and Shangun are, you know, a, a long-term pairing. And I'm like a huge Shangun guy. I had him fifth on my board last year. So I love Shangun, but Paolo Boncaro is a better long-term prospect. So if Shangun, who I'm sure is beloved by the Rockets community happens to be a guy that, um, you know, I, I think he would bring back value. And if that, that means that you you know, send him off for somebody who fits the team a little bit better. I think that is not the worst thing in the world. Cause I think right now, if you're the Rockets, while continuity is good, you're still searching for who are your building blocks going to be. I think for me, Jalen green is probably the only one I would say is like the guy who I would, you know, five years down the line, he's the one who I'd be like, he's definitely here. I can't say that about, you know, a ton of other guys on the Rockets, although they have nice pieces, um, but I think Paulo would be another one of those guys and you add him to Jalen green and it's a pretty dynamic one, two punch. Um, so I, to me, I think it's a pretty good outcome, but it doesn't come without its risks. Are you like me? Do you feel like, well, this is not going to allow the Rockets to make a huge jump because, you know, you bring in a Jabari or you bring in a chat and all of a sudden you've got somebody that can provide real defense next to Shane Goon. And, and that's really what they're lacking. Uh, the defense in the front court, it, it's just a major problem. And, yeah. you know, it's going to take Paolo a while to get that three-point shot to where uh, he's going to scare people. Whereas, you know, obviously we know what Jabari can do. And then with Chet, you know, the, defensively, I think, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but I feel like he could be sort of in that Evan Mobley type big guy that can – you know, help you guard multiple positions potentially and, and make up for a lot of things defensively. And and he, I just always felt like he compliments Shangun more than the other two guys that, you know, everybody's talking about at the top of the draft. I mean, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. I've, I've written about how I want Houston to walk away with Chet from the draft because I feel the exact same way. Uh, when you look at Chet and Shangun in the front court, it's very much like Drew Timmy and and Chet at Gonzaga although but Shangun I think is a a much better talent than, than Timmy obviously who you know is going back because he's not a guy who's really got like a, a big time NBA future uh but 
the fact that Chet can space out, let Shangun work inside and vice versa. Um, there's enough space there that, you know, you can run some weird, like four or five pick and rolls between them that I think could be interesting. I think they're both good passers and, and Chet's a, a knockdown shooter as well. Uh, and then defensively, you know, I'm with you, you know, you mentioned Evan Mobley to me, he's a, like Chet is a better shot blocking prospect than Mobley is at the same age. Uh, I think Mobley's a, a more fluid mover on the perimeter, but Chet's no slouch himself. So I think that with Chet, you know, you can, it's about scheme versatility, right? Like he's not a guy that's going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. You could go, he can guard out on an Island um, as well as anybody who's that size. Ken, he could play in a drop. You could ice ball screens. You know, he's good at that cat and mouse game. Like you could do all of these, he could come up to the level of the screen and recover back because he's got, you know, just crazy length. Uh, so he is that like number one option defensively. And that's the, the people who I think are Chet skeptics. You know, they look at a guy like Jabari who just shoots the heck out of the ball and Paulo who are like these monstrous, like potentially scoring threats. And while Chet had definitely has stuff in his bag that he didn't get to show at Gonzaga, um, I look and say, I know that Chet, a number one option defensively while still potentially being like if he tops out as a number three option uh, uh, on offense, but he's a number one option defensive player of the year, all defense guy year in and year out. Like that's very much worthy of that, that top pick. So I, I think that, I mean, look, there's some smoke that Chet is a guy who could drop too. you know, Presty keeps things, you know, very tight, tight lipped in, in his organization. He's not afraid to buck consensus um and you know with orlando if jabari really is their guy you could be looking at a situation where the rockets actually have the choice between chet holmgren and paulo Boncaro. so i do think that there are some interesting scenarios where even chet could be available to the rockets right and i just the thing with uh if paulo's there if he's the one that's there at the three spot i i just can't imagine any other scenario is there any other guy that you could imagine the Rockets would be willing to take? What, what do you think about Ivy or Shaden Sharp and, and some of those guys? Because, um, you know, some people think, well, you take the best player and maybe one of those two guys is the best player between the three, between Paulo and, and those two. If the Rockets went Ivy, I wouldn't like hate it by by any means. I think Ivy's really, really dynamic. I've I've even flirted, uh, with having him at two on my board at one point, you know, I, I think he's more like Zach Levine than John ja Morant. Uh, I know he looks like Ja stylistically sometimes, but I think his play style is, is a little more Zach Levine esque with his athleticism. He's a score first guy. His playmaking is he's a solid playmaker, but it's not like his first instinct by any means, but he is really dynamic athletically and putting Jalen and, Ivy in the backcourt. And then obviously like you have Porter jr. And you have Josh Christopher who are also pretty terrific athletes. I mean, it, it's a really dynamic backcourt athletically. Obviously if you're going Ivy, you're probably ideally moving on from some of those guys, shuffling them around, maybe finding better fits, but Ivy and Jalen green is like pretty tenacious on the offensive side of the ball and out in transition. And what I like about Ivy is that a lot of people think that he needs to have the ball in his hands to thrive uh, at the next level. And while I do think that that's the thing that will like push him into that, like potentially like high level, all NBA tier that he has potentially inside of him. 
he he's a guy who can play off ball. He played, he spent a lot of time off ball at Purdue this year. Like Purdue is a team that had Trevion Williams and Zach Eady, two, you know, really big guys who offered different skill sets. Um, and uh, Trevion Williams was a little bit more modern NBA uh, from the fact that, you know, he was a really good passer and he played out of handoffs a lot. So, you know, Jaden Ivey would do a lot of that, like coming off from the weak side and come off handoffs and use that as a way to get downhill and attack. Or, you know, if they cheat under to meet him at the spot, he's like stepping back and popping from three. Uh, they even used him running off like pin downs and floppy actions and stuff. So while he, he isn't like this prototypical guy that you look at and go, oh, he's a good, he's like the guy that you could put next to Jalen Green off ball. He's certainly capable of it. And when you have a guy like Alperin Shengun, who, again, he's he's a little bit like Trevion Williams in that, you know, he's such a good playmaker at his position that you could do so much interesting things on offense um, that I think that it would work. So if that was the pick, I, I wouldn't be like upset about it because uh, he he has the potential to be one of the most impactful guys in this draft. Again, like I think Chet's going to be the most impactful guy, but you know, who knows, maybe people are right. And he, he does break down physically. Right. And, and that opens up the door for Jaden Ivy to be the, the guy, uh, Shaden sharp. I would be surprised if that was the guy, because I just think there's so much that teams don't know about him, especially with COVID like teams just really haven't seen him in person outside of like, you know, if they get him in for a workout or his combine pro day, um, and he's not a guy who's like long been on NBA radars. He's a guy who basically went into the EYBL, uh, his last season there and, and just kind of shot himself up from this unranked guy to the number one prospect in the class. He's ridiculously talented, um, smooth as, as anything, and he can get his shot off and it's a smooth shot. He's crazy athletic himself, like powerful leaper agile great body control but he's ways away he just doesn't have a a lot of high level competition under his belt so when you look at you know like Jalen like um you know he struggled to adjust to the the speed of the game at the beginning of the season and it took him a little bit and then like after the all-star break he hit hit the ground running and you know you saw the vision with him and Jalen spent the year playing against pros in the G League Anthony Edwards the year before you know, he spent his college season playing high level D one competition. And then he had a similar trajectory with Jalen where like he struggled at the beginning of the year, learning the speed and the nuance. And then he came on after the all-star break. Shaden Sharp hasn't even played organized basketball in over a year. And before that it was like EYBL, like some high school stuff, like he doesn't have that high level competition. So I think it's going to take him even longer. So if he was the guy it's a fine upside play because when you look at his frame, his athleticism, his shot making ability, it's all there for him to be an absolute superstar player. It's just, you have to have patience because this is a kid who as talented as he is, as natural as it all looks, he's still raw. He's still got to learn. Like he's nowhere close to being a playmaker. He's very much a one pass away guy. And with the speed of the NBA game, it's going to take some adjustments. So with him, it's all about patience, but (laughs) I would be shocked if he was the pick, but if it was Ivy, I would be less shocked. Yeah. And maybe the fits better with, with Ivy. Cause I, you know, a lot of people here just are not convinced Kevin Porter jr. Is a point guard. You move him to the three, you put Ivy at the point guard. Maybe that works a little bit better, but you know, I, I, I keep saying it size matters in the NBA. When you got a chance to draft somebody 
with the size of Paulo. And, and I'm just curious, cause I don't think uh, I asked you about this, but do, do you have a comp for Paulo? Is there somebody that, you know, he reminds you of that's already in the NBA? You know, a popular one. And, and it's definitely one I've brought up in the past is, is like uh Detroit Blake Griffin, like yeah, still athletic, yeah. but like multi-tooled, you know, a, a good enough shooter that, you know, you, you don't really want to leave him open, but he could pass and play make. I think he's more, a little bit more like um, wingy than, than Blake was. Blake was, you know, pretty much like a, a four at that point. I think like you could see him initiating sets of the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, I, at the beginning of the year, I kind of set like a Derek Coleman, which was, you know, a little throwback where like just supremely talented could kind of can do it all. Hopefully he puts it together. Uh it this one it takes some imagination, but like what if you pictured LeBron at like 41 years old? Where <laughs> you know, like not quite what he is now, but still just able to use that powerful big frame and like a smart uh high IQ guy who can make plays and like not the big the best shooter in the world, but you know, he's gonna knock down timely shots. So he's like in that mold of these big wing initiator playmaker type guys. Um, And I think like, you know, like Tatum's not a very good comp for him, but I think like if you're betting on Paulo, I feel like that's kind of the role that you see him in down the line in the playoffs. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of too. And let's move to the 17th pick because most Rockets fans and I'll include myself in this group would love to move up a few spots. It feels like the draft drops off a little bit right before that 17th spot for myself and some of the Rockets fans wing defense would be ideal. For instance, uh, Jeremy Sohan or uh, Tari East and these drafts never play out like you think, but the group right now is, you know, the group think is that those two guys are going to be gone. So what do you think and who do you like for the Rockets if they do sit at that spot? You know, this is a really weird draft and depending on who you talk to, I bet you get a different answer as to who they think would be available. Cause I think once you get past like uh, probably like nine or 10 in this draft, it kind of flattens to a point where everybody's kind of close together in talent. And it wouldn't shock me if, you know, there were guys who you weren't expecting who all of a sudden were lottery guys. And some of the guys we've been following all year thinking you're going to be lottery are available at the Rockets pick out of Sohan and Eason. I actually think, Eason is a guy who may be available there just from some of the Intel I've heard behind the scenes. Like um, Sohan, I think is going to go top 10. You know, I think one of the major differences between the two is that he's just so much younger than, than Eason is right now. Like Eason's a a guy who, even though he's a sophomore, he's going to be 21 uh, or he is 21. He's going to be 22 probably when the NBA season starts uh, where Sohan is like a very young 18. uh, So I think Sohan goes a little earlier. Eason, I could see it outside of that. Like I'm, I'm a big Ochai Agbaji guy and he's another guy that I could see going in like the 14, 15 range. But if you're in that range at 17, you're, you know, you have a shot at getting a guy like that too. Cause to me, while he's another guy who's a little bit older, he just is a guy who consistently wins. You know, he's coming off a national title. He's won over a hundred games in his college career. And he very much rep- represents to me like what you want out of modern wings, um, defends multiple positions, strong, athletic, can shoot it in a variety of ways, keeps getting better. And, and he's a winner. And to me, one of the things that, you know, I ask a lot of people is like, do you think winning is a skill? Because there are certain players that just come in 
and they bring that kind of like winning aspect to them and, and help build their team's culture. And you see these guys every year who help their teams win a lot of games in college or win national championships. They get a little underrated come draft time. Uh, Davion Mitchell last year got a little underrated come draft time. I think he went properly in, in the draft itself, but on you know the discourse about him, uh, Mikael Bridges in his draft, um, you know, even Jalen Brunson, you know, a lot of Cam Johnson, people complained that he went too early. And I think Ogbaji is a guy like that, where like, if you get him at 17, he's a guy that you could picture playing off of Jalen Green pretty easily and, and playing next to him because he doesn't need to do a lot of creating, but he does a lot of the little things next to him that are really valuable. Um, other guys I like in that range. Um, I really like Dalen Terry from Arizona. He's kind of a guy that is, is freshly on the radar, mostly because we didn't know if he was going to be in the draft this year or last year. And he's a guy, Arizona, six, seven, seven foot wingspan. And he was coming off the bench a lot of the year playing behind Kirk Krisha and he went down and then Terry took over and it was like just a rocket to the moon. Like you saw what this kid looks like the vision, like he's one of the best passers in the entire draft. The way that he hits guys in stride on, you know, on cuts and, and out in transition, it's, it's really beautiful to watch. There's like an element of Tyrese Halliburton to him. Like, I'm not saying he's that level of prospect because he's not that level of shooter. Uh, you know, he shot at like 36, 37%, shot it in like the forties in, in the tournament, but low volume on, on that. Uh, the shot looks a little funky, so I'm, I'm not projecting him to be like this plus shooter right away, but he's got the size, the length and the versatility to like impact playoff games down the line. You know, when you look at guys like uh, Derek White in Boston, you know, those big uh, kind of connecting pieces, you saw what Lonzo Ball did for the Bulls this year when he was healthy. You know, these, these guys who are plus size can play make and then are, are capable of hitting shots off the ball um, and then playing defense. Like those guys are really valuable. I think he'd be an interesting fit in Houston as, as a bet to kind of handle some of like the playmaking duties. Uh, and for similar reasons, I think Jalen Williams from Santa Clara would be a really interesting bet as well. I was going to ask you about him. Cause yeah. I, I, I heard you t- guys talking about him and you were, you know, you were right in my head because I, I've kind of fallen in love with him. The more I've watched some of the video of him over the last few weeks and, I mean, the thing that amazes me is how far down he is on a lot of the mocks. And when I watch him, I'm like, well, there's a little bit of Jalen Green's athleticism. I mean, I watched him, of course, in that uh, Gonzaga game when they, they beat Chet. And, and I was just, who is this guy? And, and the thing that I didn't maybe see as much in that game, but when I start watching the video of him, what a passer he is. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's such a, a great passer, creative, way better than Jalen Green, and he's a little bit taller than Jalen, and he's got a lot bigger wingspan, so much more potential defensively. I mean, I, I don't know. I'll let you go from here, but I, I just love him. No, and you have every reason to. He's a guy that uh, he's been on like the no ceilings radar for a while, um, but he, as you said, he's been ranked really low throughout most of the process, and it's because you know he played up at Santa Clara when you know, most people, at least where I'm from on the East coast, like nobody's staying up to watch Santa Clara games. Like people are barely staying up to watch Chet play, let alone some kid from, you know, a a small college that, you know, isn't going to go play in the tournament, but yeah, six, five, six, six, seven, two and a half wingspan, 
late riser, late bloomer. Like he was 5'10 in high school. You know, like if this kid was 6'4 in high school, he wouldn't be going to Santa Clara. He'd be going to a blue blood, but he had a late growth spurt. But because of that, he developed all of this craft because he still had like really big feet and a long wingspan. So he was like an awkward kid who had to grow into his body. But once he did that, like he's taken off and uh, he shoots it off the bounce, shoots it off the catch. Uh, he and like you said, the playmaking and the playmaking is what gets you because to me, he's the best pick and roll uh, player in the draft. Like the, the pace, the poise, he gets guys on his hip. He knows where to find guys at all at all times. He he makes some of the best passes in this entire draft. I mean, there's you know, I can give multiple examples, but without film, it wouldn't be doing it justice. Like he's just so good in that regard. And he's another one of these guys who plays multiple positions. And that's what when you look at the the modern NBA, when you look at these teams who are having success in the playoffs, it's because they have a bunch of guys who just play multiple positions and it almost makes positions irrelevant. Um, so he's a, he's a sleeper guy who I, I think would be just an excellent fit. And you could see him eventually being like the elite initiator. It's funny because one of my early, early comps for him was Kevin Porter jr. Um, just a right-handed version and maybe with, you know, a, a little bit of a cooler head, he he's a guy who never gets too high, never too low, just always kind of, you know, straight down the middle. Um, but there's also a little bit of like uh, SGA in him, uh, like the, the Shea Gilders Alexander, OKC kind of smooth, crafty, takes his time, gets to his spots. Look, it looks effortless, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, Shea and, and Kevin Porter Jr. are a little more like bursty with our, their first step, but uh, there's a lot of similarity with, with those guys, but uh, you know, he's, he's, got the size and the wingspan that you start getting these thoughts. Like he can probably guard one through four with a seven, nearly seven, three wingspan, you know, um, and he competes. So uh, just a high IQ. I I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. I think he's like the going to be the steal of the draft. If, if a team can, can get him, you know, the later in the draft he goes, it's like, this kid's going to be a stud. Absolutely. I, I definitely can see it. Um, just a couple other names I'll throw out, out at you. Cause I know they're projected to, be later in the first round. So potentially there for the Rockets. Uh, any thoughts on Nikola Jovich, Jaden Hardy? Yeah. So Hardy, I, I like more than Jovich. Uh, I saw, I actually saw Hardy. It's probably his worst game of his entire career. Uh, he was 0 for 11. And, you know, it was just like, it was one of those games where you're like, you can't really take anything from this because it's so bad that it's like, they're, they're, it's so abnormal that the only thing you want to see live is like how he responds. Does he keep trying to get his shots? Does he become tentative? Uh, but, you know, he was somebody I was super high on coming into the year. Like I, I just, the potential he has as a shot maker, it, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Now I've kind of, you know, after watching him for a year against high level competition, I see him more uh, as a buddy healed instead of like a Bradley Beal someone who I think is going to be really impressive just running off a, a million screens and, and getting himself in, in open from pin downs and floppy and cuts. And, um, but I, the one thing about him is that he really improved throughout the year. So like he started out really struggling with the speed of the game. Uh, and again, he was, you know, he made a jump to play against pro. So that that's completely normal. And unlike Jalen green, like who played in the bubble in Orlando during his season, you know, he was playing in, in more, uh, you know, normal setting. So he struggled, but he made huge strides as a playmaker, um, as a, a ball handler and just his overall IQ. So I, I see him as a guy that like at 17, like that's good value for him. If you take him there, 
because he is a guy that can really light up a gym. I had a, 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 a scout tell me they were at his, his pro day and he knocked down like 33 of 35, um, like Steph Curry range threes that he shot. Uh, and and you, you don't want to take too much from those workouts, but it, it does show the, the type of range that, that he has when he's knocking them down so effortlessly. And that's what he was known for coming into the year. Jovic, I'm a little bit less high on. I've, I've kind of, the thing is with him, for all his intriguing tools at 6'11 in, in shoes, I just don't know who he's going to guard. Because, you know, in, in in the league that he played in, which doesn't have anywhere near the the athletes of the NBA, you know, he really struggled guarding out on an island. He's not strong enough or physical enough to really bang down low. And he's a guy who's going to have to play some four and maybe even some five at, at his height. Um, I'm, so I'm really nervous about just what's going to happen when a team see him and just go, all right, switch, let's, let's run him through the screens and get him on an Island and what that does to your defense and how long he's going to be able to stay on a floor before his coach goes, all right, we can't, we can't do this anymore. Like we're, we're getting murdered here. Uh, offensively, I think, uh, you know, he's got some really interesting passing chops and his IQ, he's got a high IQ as a passer. He's got good vision, plays with good pace. Um, but I wonder how good he's going to be on ball that a coach is going to actually give him those reps to, you know, kind of use his passing as a plus because as a shot maker, he's really inconsistent. Um, it's not like he has the purest stroke. Like it's, it's, he's a good shooter, but he's not a great shooter by any stretch. And, you know, he hits a lot of like impressive setbacks and, and, you know, side steps and stuff like that. But to me, it's a little bit of what I felt like when I watched Killian Hayes, who was somebody I was a little bit lower on in the draft that it feels a little bit like he has to, he has to take those shots to get his shot off. Um, because he can't kind of turn the corner on, on teams when he's creating. So he's got to kind of go to a step back and because he's tall, he can get the shots off cleanly, but it's more out of necessity than, than something, uh, that he's using, like, because it's just in his bag. So, uh, I think he's a guy that like, if you swung on him in, you know, the late first round, uh, early second round is where I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. I, and again, like if, if he returned top 20 value, it, it wouldn't shock me because he does have pedigree. He looked good in the FIBA tournament last summer, but there's just other guys available that I would personally rather take a bet on uh, with their potential. Any other names or thoughts, you know, as far as the Rockets are concerned with this draft, anybody else that's on your mind or uh, some, some angle that we haven't taken yet? Yeah, for sure. There, there's a lot of guys I love in this draft. I think uh, EJ Liddell is is a guy that if he's available, I think would be uh, really interesting. And, you know, he's not not a clean fit with Shangoon, but um, I think that when you look at the success of a guy like Grant Williams, uh, when you look at like prime Paul Millsap, that's kind of the, the kind of guy that I see him as. And he's a guy that I think could play a little bit of five defensively. He could switch out on the perimeter excellent shot blocker like his his mom was like a big time volleyball player back in the day and you see that in like his one step vertical uh he he was really efficient in pick and pop situations he, he's a you know a good role man uh good passer so i think he's really good value at that part of the draft uh as a bulls fan i'm hoping that you know he's one of the guys that the bulls end up with i'm a big fan of his game i think he's really just a brilliant kid and reads the game so well uh watches a ton of film you know really gets it mature uh I think that Usman Jang like 
he there's a, a world where he's available and and that's an upside play that I think would be really interesting like I, I think he's he's the guy that if I was gonna take the upside play on like the 610 wing who's a little bit raw it would be him over Jovich he's got a lot of fans on Rockets Twitter trust yeah me. he's uh, I'm sure and you know like he had a disastrous start to the year like just absolutely it looked like he was not going to be in the draft this year. Uh, and then he, it just clicked for him. It just clicked for him. And he turned it on. He was scoring the ball regularly. He was playing more physical. And some of the passing flashes, are, I'm telling you, are unbelievable for a guy his size, effortless, live dribble, perfectly placed, like just really, really impressive. I, him and Jalen Williams are two of the most impressive passers in the entire draft. And maybe that says more about like, the the point guard options in this draft in particular but when you look at a guy who's 6'10 who could shoot the ball off the catch who could create his own shot um who can get to the rim who's smooth and and has that kind of passing acumen he's he's really intriguing he's far away it's going to be a process for him in the nba because the physicality uh is really going to be a lot for him early on but he's so young and i think that he's a guy that if, if you're an analytics person he's a guy you could miss on because the analytics aren't going to be there and you actually have to watch the film with him, but he's, he's a, uh, a really intriguing guy. I kind of, I think he's going to be a lottery guy yeah. ultimately. Cause I think just those tools are, are going to be so enticing to teams, but if he's there for Houston, I think absolute home run uh, if he's there. Well, it's great stuff. I, I can't tell you how excited we are to get a chance to get, get a couple of guys and get a top three guy, because that was the biggest thing for the Rockets is to stay in that top three area. And uh can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show with us and uh, give us some information. Again, it's uh, the draft act podcast and uh, I'll let you plug anything else uh, you want to before we, we take off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Tulliba, you know, posting clips and, and comments about the draft all day. Uh, no ceilings mba.com that you can find all of the links like the podcast the youtube um i also have a personal youtube nba draft dude and uh we just released our, our draft guide which is really informative again um and we, we released a whole bunch of merch uh really cool like draft theme merch which we're excited about but um yeah that's pretty much it if you go to no ceilings mba.com you can find myself and and the entire crews, uh, all the work that we're doing and, and all the work there is free. So if you subscribe, you'll get it directly to your inbox every Monday through Friday. Loving what you guys are doing over there. Really love listening to you and Albert. You guys are a, a fun chemistry, fun team. And, yeah. and, and thanks appreciate again for it. coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Appreciate you having me. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.